We began a new series. I usually usually take a t- talk about it, for, about it for multiple weeks. And this, this is mental health, and we titled it Peace, Peace of Mind. Today's topic is truths to remember when battling depression. Now, now, last week I mentioned that um, as of t- well, was about 22 years old, uh, I, ex- I accepted God's call, call on me to be a pastor, a preacher. And uh, so I went to college, but I didn't ever preach a sermon. So now I'm in, I'm in seminary, and I figured, well, I, well, I guess it's about time to start. With much, much fear and trepidation, trepidation um, anxiety, uh, I was going to get up and speak. So how do you prepare a message that you just, a sermon to preach? Well, I just started seminary, and they don't, don't really teach you how to preach in seminary anyway. So... Um, I drew upon a, wi- a wisdom, of, I would say, a mentor from afar, someone who, who was a pastor, pastor, preacher many years ago in another country. Um, put his picture up. Most of you will probably recognize this person. His name is Charles Spurgeon, a famous pastor in uh, the 1800s in, in London, England. And um, a 19-year-old from the country of England, he came, he came to country of when he came to London, excuse me, said said it correctly, and uh, began patting Park Street uh, chap, and about 200 members at that time. Within about two years, and he had no no training, within two years, the walls were busting out. In fact, they went space, so he, they could fit people, and they wanted to come here speak. So, uh, a year or so later, later he plans to build a, a, a thousand-seat uh, church for him to preach in. Uh, um, he would gather in rented properties. So he, so he rented this hall that's, that uh, could fit, fit 10,000 people in. 10,000 people. And there were people inside trying to get in, but there was already pretty full and people standing on the sides and everything. This one fatal day, somebody, somebody yelled, even before he spoke, Got a beak. Fire! Fire! And of course, can you imagine with a packed house, people, what happens when he yells fire? So it was chaos and people stampeding. And it just happened, happened recently, an event, uh, I think, in Korea. Uh, it still happens. And, uh, and uh, there was no smoke, there was, there was no fire. This was just somebody trying to cause trouble. But they did. Chaos. And somebody, somebody, Yelled out, out, start preaching. So he, he got, got up, tried to start, start preaching with all this chaos, chaos going on. And he, and he said a few, few, few lines, and then it just became so overwhelming that the account says that he, we would say, faint, fainted. Uh, everything went dark. His, and his deacons helped get him on, off stage. Well, I didn't know at the time. He found out later that Seven people actually died, and 20-some people wound up in the hospital. And so they're on a fit of depression. In fact, the church didn't know if he would even be able to preach again. Now, another story, he became one of the greatest preachers of all time. So he's battling this fit of depression. He couldn't work. Um, and so, there's a written account of how he felt and I'll just read part of it at this time. 
who can conceive the ang- anguish of my sad spirit? That's how I described it. I refuse to be comforted. Tears were my meat by day and dream- dreams my her by night. I felt as I had ne- never felt before. My thoughts were all cases of knives cutting, cutting my heart in, in peace. Pretty graphic. Until a kind of, kind of a stupor of grief ministered to a mournful medicine to me. Now notice this part. My Bible, once d- daily food, was but a hand to lift the, the solace of, of woe. Prayer yielded no balm to me. If you're like me, if you've ever experienced depression, that's exactly how it sounds, feels, doesn't it? So that's what we're going to talk, talk about today. And there's a sti- stigma in, in church about mental health, health issues. We've been talking about this. It's like, just you just preach your Bible more, it didn't help. Pray more, that didn't help. Uh, just have more, more faith. Well, how do you have more of faith? It's so much more complicated than that. And if you have sore throat, we say, say take medicine. If it got, if it got too bad, we say, go to, the, go to the doctor. If you're broken an appendage, you'd say, go to the hospital and get it fixed. But mental issues. So, we talked about anxiety last week. Just a quick, quick review. How to fight, fight anxiety. Again, it's com- complicated, complex, and... This is not going to insects, but we talked, talked about praying. Most of us press pray when we have anxiety. <laughs> I certainly did it before that, before that sermon. Um, often we don't buzz. We either expect to get well or we try and fix it ourselves and then offer praise, praise to God for what we're going to do. So I'm going to start with a verse out of, out of Proverbs that talks about anxiety that is not dealt with. And here it is, Proverbs 12, 12, 25. It says, worry or anxiety... Is a heavy load which can lead to depression. But a kind, good word cheer, cheers you up. It's not, again, that simple. In fact, I was talking to somebody after Fervis, and, and when somebody try, tries to talk and you're depressed, sometimes it seems to make things worse, worse than it. They don't know what to say, and you don't receive it well. But, but at times, there can be a word of encouragement. Depression, I think, hits everyone. If you've, if you've ever been just. Uh, thank God. Not necessary clinical depression, just feeling what Charles Spurgeon had after that tragedy. I came across four causes of the depression. Other lists could have more or less. Uh, biological. All right? That means there's something screwy going on in your body, body <laughs> that you can't, can't control. Uh, postpartum uh, late Some of you experience that. You should be elated. You have this new child, yet you don't feel that way. Well, well it's biological. You, you have no, no uh, control of that. Of that. There, there, you're at no fault for that. But it's real. real. Then it's relational. If you've ever had, had relational issues, issues with uh, a friend, a family member, uh, if, you're, if you're married, if you've ever been divorced, obviously that brought about depression. Uh, even even if you've been dating for a while, a while and, and up, you can bring about about depression. So relationship issue. Then there's circumstantial issues like COVID, right? That, that out of our control, control it, it, it separated us and caused it caused uh, things of depression. 
be a financial situation. You could lose your job. You could lose your house. This could cause, could cause So circumstantial things. And of course, spiritual things. Uh, we talked last week, there are battles not against flesh and blood. Blood, the ultimate battle against uh, forces in the spiritual world. So, so th- one thing we need to remember is as a believer, well, all people, let me say back up. If you're not a believer, Jesus Father, glad that you're here. But you are a creation of God, so, so you matter more God than anything else. You matter God than anything else. Now we're going to look at a guy, spiritual giant. We become a spiritual, spiritual giant. Not history, uh, recent history, but biblical history in the Old Testament. This was a guy, guy, God's man. So he was, you know, ordained and an inspired God. We have a book that he wrote, and he lived in Jerusalem during the time. That the, ba- the Babylonians are going to come in and laid siege to Jerusalem. After a year and a half, I think it was, they they the city and destroyed. Now he was the prophet that told the, the people, "Okay, we need to surrender, give up, and it'll be okay." We carried off in captivity, but eventually you'll return. Uh, of course, all the other prophets said, "What? It's going to protect, protect. God's going to save us." We need to fight. So he's an outlier. He's, uh, he, he was persecuted. He was put in, put in jail. He was put in a, in a dry well. He was, uh, what, he, what he had written one time, that the king would read it, or somebody would read it to him. To him. He cut it, throw it in the fire. He had to read it, uh, write it again. But probably the most tragic thing that had happened to Jeremiah was he lost friends and family members away to captivity, maybe to death. But what the Babylonians did, they destroyed the temple. Now, you and I can't understand how radical that is. The temple, 400 years ago, Solomon built this temple. It was one of the wonders of the, of the ancient world. But as a Jew, that, that was where God. So if you destroy it, where did you go to meet God? Now, if this building burned down, we could, we could meet someplace else. We rebuild. You can't rebuild the temple in a, in a six months or whatever. So that was Jeremiah's state, or lot in life, if you will. It was interesting. He, he, he got a choice of not going to the captivity, and he decided not to go. And he didn't go. Yeah. So we're gonna, we're gonna, he wrote the book of Jeremiah, but then there's a little book after that called The, the Lamentations of Jeremiah, or, or The Depressions of Jeremiah, if you want to call it that. So we're going to look at the third chapter. Now, the third chapter has 66s. Anybody know why it has, has 66s? It's written in poetry. It's, it's, it's uh, uh, Hebrew poet, poetry. Some, sometimes they would acrostics, meaning the first verse was started with the first, first letter of the alphabet, which is different than our alphabet. The second verse was the second, second letter of the alphabet. They, they have 22 letters in their alphabet. So you, you would think, how many verses? 22. This was called an actually a triple acrostic. So not the first or the second verse, the third verse. The first three verses started with their first, first letter of their alphabet. The next three verses, it's the second letter of their alphabet. So, so consequently, the, the chapter 66 verses. We're not going to read them all, so we'll relax. All right? We'll read a portion of them. So starting at the beginning of Lamentations 3. 3. Jeremiah, I write. 
I am a man who experienced affliction, affliction a rod of the Lord's wrath. You ever feel like God is mad at you, even with, with you, wishing you for something? That's Jeremiah. He, he drove me in captivity and made me walk in darkness and night. The word that's going to appear over and over again is the word dark or darkness. Oppression just feel, feels like darkness. He is seized and, and surrounded with ang- anguish and distress. Ever felt ang- anguish and distress? He has made me reside in deepest darkness again like those, those who died long ago. He has walled me in. I cannot escape. Ever feel like walls were closing in on you? He has been in heavy change. You feel like you can't move. Also, when I cried desperately for help, he shut out my prayer. You ever, you ever felt like no listening when you pray? Prayer is bouncing off the ceiling. That's, that's depression. Uh, he goes on. I am, de- am deprived of peace. We talked talk, title this series of peace of mind. Well, no peace, right? There's just peace. Can't sleep. Can't relax. Can't rest. I have forgot, forgotten what happiness is. Isn't that a good description of depression? You just forgot, forgot what like to be happy. So, so I said, my endurance has, ex- has expired. I just can't, just can't do it anymore. I've lost all hope of deliverance of the Lord. And then two more verses. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond word. word. Yeah, it's just, just, you can describe it some, sometimes, right? I, I continue to continually think about it, and I am depressed. Pretty accurate description, I think. This was 3,000 years ago. Now, that's what he was doing, and that's, that's true, but it's not the end. It's not, it's not complete. And we're going to look at truths about depression that we find in the same chapter. Because it's an end with verse 22. 20. Remember, remember there's 26 verses? <laughs> so, truth number one. Your emotions are valid. They are not permanent. Emotions are real. You're feeling what you're feeling. Even if you don't want to, right? They're valid. But they're not permanent. See, no, no emotion is permanent, is it? High emotions, good emotions, bad emotions, none of them are permanent. We emotional people, people are emotional, but our emotions change, don't they? Uh, one thing experts tell us help is actually name the emotion. So if you're angry, say, I'm angry. If you're depressed, I'm de- depressed. If you're, fe- you're feeling own, I'm feeling alone. I'm, I'm feeling anxious. I'm, just, I'm, feeling, I'm, wor- I'm worried, whatever it is. In fact, in fact, I came across this fascinating study. <laughs> um, how many of you are afraid of spiders? spiders? Put your hand up. I know you are, son. <laughs> Wife is too, too. Not too many, many of you. I'm surprised. Anyway, the group got, got folk together that were afraid of spiders. And uh, they, they brought out a tarantula. Now, it was in a cage, but a big, ugly spider, right? right so the anxiety level of the crowd went up, right? So divided the group, group into four groups. <clears throat> the first, first group, they have labeled ocean. So whatever you're feeling when you see, see that tarantula, you said it. I'm feeling 
frightened, I'm afraid, I'm anxious, uh, whatever it might be. My heart's being 100 miles an hour, whatever, whatever it might be. The second, second just made non-emotional observations, like, like big spider, it's black, it's hairy, it's, you know, in a, in a cage, whatever it might be, be. Third group, they ignore the situation. They said, oh, send us a pretty room. Oh, isn't it nice outside? What's, what, today is Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever it is. The group didn't do anything. It's shut down, right? They went away for a week and came back. Interesting thing in the study was when they came, came back, that's what they did with, with the tarantula. Let it loose. So now the tarantula is let loose. And they, they, they evaluated the, 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 the psychological impact of that. Only one group improved. What group you think improved in the reaction to the tarantula? In fact, as amazed me, some of them were able to even touch it. I knew you couldn't sign. There's <laughs> a group that lab labeled the feelings. All right? So this is a proof. This is part of the healing process. So put on your outline. Naming your emotions opens up the door to changing your emotions. Again, God gave us our emotions. Aren't you glad we have emotions? Wouldn't life be horrible without emotions? Of course, of course, for the good ones, the bad ones, right? right? Now, here's the important thing that when you think this, don't make permanent decisions or permanent conclusions based on these temporary emotions because they're going to change. So if you're a single person and you meet this well, guy, if I met this, this girl and we really hit it off, hit it off state, run off and get me that day, that could be disastrous, right? Or maybe you've been happily married almost 40, 46 years like we have been and then tomorrow I get up and I'm going to divorce, divorce you, dear. Um, I, I've had it. All right? Uh, don't make permanent decisions on temporary emotions or per permanent conclusions. Like, uh, if you're saying uh, uh, the opposite success treats you badly, well, all, in my case, all, all women are bad. <laughs> all women are bad drivers or, you know, whatever it might be. Or all men are, you know, uh, goof-offs or, or whatever, you know. Temp temporary, now, we, we are goof-offs sometimes. But not all of them, right? So you don't make per permanent decisions on temporary emotions. <clears throat> Truth number, number two. Your situation may, may feel hopeless. In fact, it does. If you're depressed, you feel hopeless. But with God, God there's always hope. hope. So back to Jeremiah. Sounded pretty bad, pretty bad didn't it? He was, was really depressed. I'll read the last verse again that we looked at. Verse 20. I continually think about this. So we do, don't we? We just think and think and think, and I am, I am depressed. So where does he go from, from there? Next verse. Yet, but I still dare to hope. I feel hope, hopeless, but I'm, I, I, I dare to hope, hope. I dare to hope when I, I remember this. Remember what? What, what, what is he going to call to mind? And I talk about this a lot. God's character. If you, if you believe in God, what kind of God do you believe in? What is he like? What is, his, what is his character? The next verse tells us. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. Okay, so, so God is this person that loves faithfully and it'll never end no matter what I do. All right? Okay? That seems like, like that would help if I'm depressed. The eternal has, and I love this phrase, inexhaustible compassion. Do you and I have inexhaustible compassion? 
No, no, we get compassion fatigue, fatigue, don't we? You know, love the unloving, and eventually you run out of, out of it, don't you? But God doesn't. Now, we'll look, look at two words, original Hebrew words, words in this text. Faithful love. This is this amazing in the Hebrew, it's called hesed. Hesed is almost, translates almost, almost impossible to translate. Now, my wife and I lived in Portugal, and we learned Portuguese. And, and even to this day, there's sometimes there's a situation, perfect Portuguese word for it, but, but an English word for it. So I kind of understand this concept. So some translators use the concept of faith, uh, loving faithfulness, faithfulness uh, loving kindness, mercy, loyalty. It's a, it's a combination of all those things. This word shows up 248 times in the Old Testament to describe God, God's character. Now the word compassion is the same root word for, for a mother's womb. And I thought, that's, that's kind of weird, right? Well, what is it about a mother's womb? It's a safe place. It's a place of protection. It's a place of, of comfort. It's a place of uh, nourishment, isn't it? So God's com- compassion never fails. Inexhaustible. Then the verse is one, is one that some of you recognize. Uh, we sang this, this hymn in the first verse this morning. Great is, the hymn says, as thy, but this translation is, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. So how do you, how do you, how do you approach a new day? You think, oh, oh, this is a great day, a day, a day life, uh, new opportunities, whatever, whatever. Or, or you say, oh, no, another day. As Jesus, Jesus follows, every day she should be an exciting new day. We get a fresh start every day. Isn't that amazing? Experience God's, God's daily doses of mercy and grace and, and is present with us. He never leaves or forsakes us. So, when, you, when, when your world feels dark, when your world feels dark, a couple of steps. Acknowledge it. Name it. Right? Don't try and ignore it. Pretend, pretend it doesn't exist. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 just, I'm upset about this. Uh, uh, I'm feeling kind of hopeless, whatever it might be. Then, seek help. Seek help. Seek help. One of the, the biggest things about, about mental health issues is, is we need to seek help. Professional help, if, if you need. Could be, be a friend, a counselor, whatever it be. And the part that we probably need to neglect, unfortunately, is you need this community. You need, need to have a group around you. That's why we encourage, encourage you to be in a group. Because you're not depressed now, but a month from now, from now you might be. And one of the biggest ways to, to overcome it, to heal, heal from it, is in community. Think about this this way, darkness. It's pretty scary to be in the dark, dark by yourself, isn't it? And it's not really scary if I'm with a crowd. So, people, help help us. What happens then? Change happens. Hopefully for the better, for the good. We mentioned this couple, this couple of weeks ago, asking for help is not a sign of weakness. <laughs> Why do we not do it? It's not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of wisdom. It's smart. Seek help. To Jeremiah. I say to myself, we have self-talk talk. Now, you're depressed, self-talk is what? It's all negative stuff. Nobody's about me, nobody, nobody loves me, worthless, whatever it might be. But that's not what we want to, want to say to us. Um, another way you can think of it is preach to yourself. Right? Right? My wife does like it when I preach, preach to her. <laughs> so, uh, preach to yourself. She says, save that for Sunday. But anyway, uh, 
<laughs> I say to myself, what does he say? The Lord is my, is my inheritance, therefore I will be in him. This situation may seem hopeless. His financial situation, his relationship issue, his health issue. I will be in him. The Lord is good to those who trust in him. To the, the one who seeks him. Preach to yourself. We're going to give you a couple of suggestions to preach to yourself. And the text goes on. It's good to wait patiently for, the, for deliverance from the Lord. So, one way to heal uh, through depression is to preach to yourself. Now, I've got, got to think of Psalm 23. Now, why, why is Psalm 23 so popular? I got to reading, reading it with the mental health perspective, and then I began to understand why it's popular. So we're going to just read it now. Notice some words in here. The Lord is my shepherd. My vector. I, I don't need anything. anything. Makes me lie down. What does he make me do? Lie down, lie down in pastures. Leads, leads me beside quiet waters. Refreshes my soul. He guides me along right past. Sometimes I'm having anxiety, depression, because we've made wrong, wrong decisions or taken wrong, wrong paths. But God's not going to guide us on the wrong path. Even though I walk through, there's our word, darkest, bring, bring that up, dark, darkest valley. No matter how weird, dark your depression is. I don't need to fear evil. Why? Why? God's with me. For alone. And you're not in your staff. If they're not beat me, they are to come. God wants to give you and I comfort. Then prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I can even share a meal facing my enemies. You know it, you know it with oil. My cup up overflows. God, you bless me in so many ways. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the, all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord for, forever. So, finish up, finish up quickly. Two truths. Your emotions are valid, but they are not permanent. They will change, change, for the better. And your situation may feel hopeless, but there's always hope. Made me think of a, of a verse out of Romans chapter 8, one of the probably, the probably greatest verses in the Bible. I am convinced that nothing can ever, can ever separate from God's love. Either death nor life, angels or demons. Fears for today, that enters into our description, doesn't it? Nor our worries about, about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from this from God's love. Come across this illustration. If you're, if you're pointing at me and I put my hands up like this, what does that signify? Surrender, right? Well, I just got the thing about, about something. You're in a, a sport event and your team wins or ends or you're playing and your team wins. What do you do? Same thing. Hands up, right? Up, right? So I'll end with that illustration and put on the outline this statement. I will not surrender to depression. I'm going to fight for victory. I will surrender to God. And let, me just, let me just end. Spurgeon, weeks, months later, he's still depressed. Walking in the garden with his with, with his Susanna. All of a sudden, his demeanor changes. Isn't that interesting? Depression. You see depression, depression on his faces. And she said, "What's going on?" And he said, "What is it? What do I I matter? This is what truly matters." And he quoted or read it. I don't know. Philippians two nine. 11. Therefore, God elevated him, meaning Jesus to the place highest honor, honor, 
and gave him the name above all other names. That the name, that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and in heaven and on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue declared, the Lord Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Charles Spurgeon didn't matter. All that matters is Jesus. Next steps, uh, like we have been doing in the last weeks. Let me be with you. You are what matters, Jesus. But we know that you love us. You love us, and your compassion never, never, never fails. Inexhaustible. And we have times of depression. And some causes are beyond of our control. Other things, yeah, yeah, we can, we can work on that. Thank you for, for friends. Thank you for community. We thank you for, for help. But most of all, we thank you for Jesus. God, God I pray one here this, that is struggling, struggling this morning in a crowd this side has to be multiple. I don't know the situation, but you do. And I, I pray that you bring them hope. hope. Just, just even just a little glimmer. There'd be a little light at the end of, the end of that dark tunnel. And God, that we would look to you. And not that it would be instantaneous, and this is, you know, fixes every situation. But you're the God of grace and mercy. In fact, you're, it's, it's new every day. And when we wake up tomorrow, God, I pray that that is the spirit we wake up with. Anyone without a personal knowledge of Jesus Christ, you're not a Jesus follower, we pray today would be the day. That you wisdom and give me your, your, your life, your sins, your shortcoming, coming, confess those, would forgive those, but, but give life to service to him. He's called you. That, that desire to come, that's because oh my God is saying, come, come. I love you. love you too much to let you, you die separated from, from me. Anyone that would, would discuss that or made a decision, please, please let know. We're going to come alongside you and help. Father God, thank, thank you for being present in this service. Continue to speak to us through this final song. In Jesus' name, amen.